Yeah, no, I, I couldn't even watch it. I'm actually really like, devastated because I, I I go for walks in that wetland all the time, and just knowing all of the animals and that live there that are endangered, and the people that go there and spend time, and just the fact that we just have no spaces like that, very few spaces. Um, yeah, it's just it's just heartbreaking, and. I mean, I, I do tons of work in innovation, and you know, this is, this issue is often framed as a, you know, a dirty frio hippie thing. Um, but if you look at places like Japan, which is one of the most in- innovative countries in the world, they still have sixty percent of their forests because they recognize the, the value of forest for human well-being and human, um, like just being sane. And they talk about. They've done tons of research on forest bathing, and uh, that's an actual thing where you can go and be in the forest and restore your health and restore your your mental well-being. And we have so few places like that in Australia. And, you know, we have a a state government and a federal government that's so very much uh, supposedly about innovation. And yet we are doing what is probably the most uninnovative and unimaginative and lazy things we could be doing, which is building a road through... Building a freeway through um, wetlands that can't be replaced and are full of endangered species because we keep building more roads. And tons of research shows that building more roads just makes more traffic. So why are we not doing what they would do in any other innovative country? Build light rail or build rail for freight trains or anything but building more roads. Build more um, commuter options. It's very hard to get around in Perth. So... Obviously, we're going to have a problem with cars if we're not doing anything to help people move things and move themselves more easily. So, yes, definition of insanity and just really awful, distressing stuff. Um, And not to encourage you to say anything defamatory on the air, but there's a certain photo, I think, of you recently uh, receiving an, an innovation award from the... This chap, Bill Marmion, any comments on that? Yeah, so I, I won an award earlier this year um, for my work supporting innovation in the games industry in WA. And um, Bill Marmion, was, he didn't give me my award, but he gave out the award before mine and, and came to congratulate me after and took a photo with me. And I was very proud of it at the time. And he's the Minister for Innovation and Transport, ironically, given how uninnovative this supposed transport solution is. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel ashamed of that photo now. And I've sort of called everybody to, to give his office a call and express how they feel because I want to be proud of that photo again. And I, we can be doing so much better for WA in so many different ways for innovation and for people and for the land. And we don't need to have, we don't need to be compromising wetlands to, to be growing and doing more innovative things. It's the opposite of what we should be doing. So tonight on the show, we're also talking to a spokesperson for the Miss Do family. We'll be talking to Father Chris Bedding, who's uh, just uh, participated in a very creative action at Garden City, uh, portraying the, the the Holy Family and uh, Baby Jesus as a refugee, a very interesting, innovative uh, little creative action there. You know, these things that are happening in our country are just uh, so awfully regressive. And what's gone down with the article uh, that um, has misquoted you, I think it's fair to say that you're extremely well credentialed. How does it, well, you know, what, what message does this send to our young women 
to you know to our society that that things like this are going on. So you just give us a bit of background as to what's going on with this article. Sure. Please. So I I uh, won in another award a few weeks ago, <laughs> which never things I never thought I would say in my life. My science high school science teacher told my parents I'd amount to nothing. So this is all <laughs> very wonderful. Um, but yeah, no, I was. Um, uh, in the Australian Financial Review, which is very, you know, amazing. My parents are super proud of that. <laughs> but, yeah, the article, um, you know, it wasn't malicious or anything, but it just wasn't, um, I guess, as meticulous as it could have been. So it had me saying that I'm not going to say it again, what, what it said, because it's been fixed. Thankfully, it took only about a week to get fixed after it had gone to print and gone out um, on, on the internet, but basically had me saying that one of my favorite game companies was 100% entirely to blame for all of the problems with women in, um, technology, like why we don't have women in technology, which is completely not what I said. There are many reasons. And, um, yeah, that, that's just, that was upsetting. And there was a few other things that, um, saying things like I had, had said that, the games industry was great for women to go into because you don't need to know how to code, which is kind of true, but not really what I said. Like, you don't need to know how to code to make games, but that's not really what I was trying to say because that kind of implies that women are stupid and don't need, they. you know, like, games are great because women don't aren't smart enough to learn how to code. Um, but then also just the fact that it didn't actually talk about any of the work that I had done, and I'm pretty sure if the article had been about a guy it would have been entirely about his work and so it was just a culmination of things and and I think you're being a bit kind here I mean <laughs> I, I understand that they have uh, they've republished the article they've fixed up these issues but describing you as a gamer uh, someone who plays games is quite different from a designer it's it's just really frankly not good enough he's just saying like that men uh, professional man it's hard to see that, that that would be happening for for a dude yes yeah, so the article did also say that i didn't describe me as a game designer describe me as a gamer so if you read it you would basically come out with the impression that i was just a woman who played games and that was exciting in itself <laughs> which is a bit frustrating <laughs> i'm pretty sure they didn't give me an award for doing that so anyway, you know, what's the the, the larger narrative here, yeah. Kate? You know, like they you know, women in these positions are, are just not given the correct uh, kudos they deserve. Yes, but yes, yeah, so it's that, but it's also, and I've had conversations with um, other people working in the diversity space, not just women, but the problem that happens if you're doing diversity work. So other people I've talked to are doing. Um, Queer gamers trying to get more um, diversity in that respect. But the problem that happens is that your work starts to become just about the diversity stuff and not about the actual reason why you're in the position to speak about diversity. So the reason that he's in that um, space where he's able to advocate for that is because he's done a bunch of amazing things. He's not just a random guy who's like, I'm going to try to encourage more gay gamers. So that's that's the problem. But then also it it starts to almost ghettoize women's or anybody who's kind of underrepresented in the games industry, their involvement, because it means that you're not celebrated for doing amazing things. And that is really inspiring for other people who are underrepresented. You're just, it's like, oh, you're just great because you're a woman in games. And that's really, really othering. The most powerful thing I ever did was, um, well, not 
maybe not the most powerful thing, but one of the really, the things I felt was really, really effective was being on a panel that was originally titled Diversity and Innovation, and it was women, all women experts. And I suggested to the organizers that they just take out diversity and make it just innovation because we're all experts. Why do we need to have that qualifier? And we didn't talk about diversity at all. It was just about the future of Perth and it was an amazing panel and people loved it. And um, some of the feedback that we got was just that people were so inspired by the fact that you could have a panel that was all of these amazing people, experts talking about things that they were doing, but then also they just happened to be women. And so that's a powerful image. And so I think if we want to be encouraging more diversity in games, we need to actually just talk about the amazing people doing things that are from diverse backgrounds and not talking about diversity, but just talking about what they're doing. And so I've made a challenge to myself to not talk about diversity if anybody interviews me for the next month to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is kind of like a um, a preamble or like a you know an introduction to, to that kind of mission I have for myself. But I think, um, I mean, curtains just put me on a billboard on their campus, which is another thing I never thought I would say. But <laughs> I just think about me as my, my younger self and seeing that, that is a hugely powerful thing. And that's what we need to be doing if we want to be encouraging diversity is just celebrating what people are doing and not kind of qualifying it in these terms. It's, it's also just not, you know, rocket science uh, for me is we have a huge percentage of the population, 50 plus whatever it is that are women and, you know, all, all the diversity that, uh, you know, all the different shapes and sizes that we come in as human beings and we all have value and ways of contributing to a more innovative, more interesting, creative, uh, fun society. And just why is it, uh, why don't we get that? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that you're right. Um, 50% of gamers now are women, but only 10 to 15% of actual people making games are women. And there's tons of research that shows that innovative teams perform better and they make more innovative products. And if you look at products that are designed by diverse teams, they are better because they work for more people. And so they don't just, if you have like a homogenous team, then they're going to make stuff that, so really great example of that is, is Google Buzz, which is a product most people haven't heard of because it kind of didn't really go anywhere. But um, the problem with it a few years ago was that it had it was it was basically kind of an add-on for sharing on social media, and it had a an algorithm built into it that decided if you had contact with people a lot, then those are the people you wanted to share your information with a lot, which kind of makes sense. But then it doesn't take into account maybe women who are trying to ex escape abusive ex-husbands who maybe have had a lot of contact with them for whatever reason or maybe have in the past. So that actually happened to a woman where a lot of information was shared with someone she was trying to get away from and not share information with. So if you'd had a team that was diverse, then that probably wouldn't have happened because that use case would have come up and the team would have said, well, okay, we actually don't want to make that assumption. So um, having diverse teams just means that you're going to make better products. So there's just, you know, even if it's not just, if the argument of it's the right thing to do is not enough, there is a definitely a economic um, competitive advantage argument that can be made yep. for this. What do you think would be happening at Belia Wetlands if we had a, a more, more diverse, and I hope we're not breaking your rule here, but um, a more diverse representation in our parliament? That's a good question. I would hope that we would have a better solutions <laughs> that and more, more innovative solutions that are not just 
doing the same thing over and over again that we've been doing for so long and not actually making a bit of effort to try something that's I mean that's what innovation is and we seem to think in WA maybe Australia that innovation is oh we'll just copy what someone else has done that's innovative actually innovation is doing something new entirely new that no one's done before and we need to be doing that particularly when we have a, a mining boom that's drying up and what else are we going to do you know is 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 just bulldozing everything the and digging everything up surely we need some new tricks <laughs> Yes, that sounds so sad and depressing. But yes, exactly. You don't need to bulldoze anything to make video games.